the easy market wrap everything you need to know about the world and your money easy i mean if we throw our our songoma uh, bones i mean can we expect some good news next year some cuts here and there what are, what are your thoughts yeah, look, I mean, the Reserve Bank, the South African Reserve Bank faces a similar problem to the US and, and the rest of the world where they are forced to keep interest rates high to bring down inflation. Fortunately, you know, that's been quite successful as well. And we've seen this last two inflation prints within the 3 to 6% band. So most likely, you know, the Saab will need to keep interest rates high uh, just to, you know, properly bring inflation under control. And I think a reasonable scenario would be to expect some mild rate cuts in, in the second half of the year. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. <laughs> Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. My name is DJ at large. So some portfolios are green, others are red. There seems to be a lot happening both locally and globally that is moving and shaking the markets from rising interest rates to the price of commodities skyrocketing and the rand is looking very, very shaky. What on earth is going on? So I've called our Chief Investment Officer at RISE, Dwayne Gilbert, to delve into what is moving the markets and to answer some of your burning investment questions. Uh, Dwayne, welcome to the Easy Does It podcast. It's lovely having you, brother. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. So we're recording the podcast remotely. Where are you currently based? So I'm in the beautiful city of Cape Town. Ah, lovely, lovely, lovely. I mean, I'm going to be in Cape Town in the next couple of weeks, so perhaps uh, we should get some drinks. But uh, before we get all excited for the festive, we should probably get into what's happening on the markets. And uh, a random question is how we like to start things on the podcast, Dwayne. I'm just keen to know for you, uh, if you could have a sneak peek into somebody else's investment portfolio, who would it be and why? Look, I think right now the person I'm most interested in is the U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman, uh, Jerome Powell, and what he's holding. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And, and for obvious reasons, for obvious reasons as well. I'm also keen to see what's in there. Uh, Dwayne, let's get into the markets and uh, perhaps we should start it off with interest rates. How did decisions on interest rates by developed market central banks impact uh, market sentiment and drive changes in, in bond yields, uh, specifically in the US? What's, what's happening in terms of that? Yeah, look, if you don't mind, I just want to take a step back just to contextualize what's happening in the interest rate market, because I I feel like if I just jump into what happened this past year, you know, there's a a lot of context that's missing. You know, going back to COVID, you know, obviously there was a period where the world was shut down and there was a need for stimulus from governments and central banks and uh, developed markets, uh, US in specific, they overreacted. So they pumped out a bit too much stimulus. And even after the vaccines were discovered and the economy started to reopen, uh, they kept pumping uh, stimulus into the economy. And uh, as a result, the world had an inflation problem. So I think it was around March 2022 uh, when the Federal Reserve went from having very accommodative interest rates, near zero interest rates, to embarking on the most aggressive uh, rate hiking cycle in like the past 40 years. And I think right now we, you know, sitting at about five and a half, 
in the US market. So, I mean, if you look at what happened in 2022 and what happened in 2023 uh, on the equity market side, equity markets have really been concerned about how high will rates go, how long will rates stay high, and the most important question is will the high rates lead to a US recession? Uh, you know, how, how will growth be impacted? And uh, in 2022, um, there was a lot of fear. So, you know, we saw quite a major sell-off in markets. Inflation, I think, went uh, close to 9% or possibly just north of 9% in the US. So there was a lot of fear. Um, but then what we saw is that the rate hikes were quite successful and inflation came down quite rapidly. We're now sitting at something at a 3.4, I think it is, the October print. And, and so now you're seeing uh, a shift where the market is saying, yes, interest rates are high, but they're high because of inflation and inflation is now under control. So, you know, next year, Fed is going to cut rates and it's, it's back to the races. So you're actually seeing equity markets approaching all-time highs in developed markets. And, uh, you know, especially if you're a South African investor and you overlay the RAND weakness, it, it's been a phenomenal place to be. When you look at the bond market, so the bond market, the yields are a function of two things. It's the uh, real interest rate and the uh, sort of a premium for expected inflation. So, you know, starting with the latter, it's a bit easier to explain. The market is more or less pricing in roughly a, a 2% long-term average inflation, which is the Fed's target, nothing too surprising. But, you know, as interest rates have increased, that's sort of fed into a higher real yield component into, into the bond yield. So, you know, since COVID, where we had ultra low interest rates and actually negative real rates and, and bond yields were close to 1%, uh, you know, you're now seeing U.S. Treasuries 10-year close to 4%. And, uh, of course, you know that, um, you know, price is inversely related to, to the yield. So when that yield blows out, um, the price comes down. So over that period, it's, it's been quite a tough place to be. At the risk of getting into too much detail, I would just say one interesting thing for me when, when I look at where bond yields are is that I think, you know, even though the, the, the market is expecting the Fed to cut rates next year, I think that era of ultra low interest rates and near zero interest rates and negative interest rates I think that's gone you know what we've seen from the global financial crisis to now and i think you know over the foreseeable future the market is now saying yes interest rates are above neutral they'll come down but we're not going to have this uh yeah. and that's that's been providing some support to to bond yields but i think you know right now where bond yields are and and the risks we have in the equity market it's, it's a really attractive yield uh to lock in with u.s treasuries yeah, thank you for giving us that that, that context and, and, and getting into it. I want us to bring it uh, back home, but still speak a bit about the repo rate and, and interest rates and where we are. So a few weeks ago, you know, the South African Reserve Bank decided to keep the repo rate steady at 8.25%. I mean, if we throw our, our Songoma uh, bones, uh, I mean, can we expect some good news next year? Some, 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 some cuts here and there? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the Reserve Bank, the South African Reserve Bank faces a similar problem to the US and, and the rest of the world where they are forced to keep interest rates high uh, to bring down inflation. Fortunately, uh, you know, that's been quite successful as well. 
and we've seen this last two inflation prints within the three to six percent band so most likely you know the sub will need to keep interest rates high uh, just to you know properly bring inflation under control and i think a reasonable scenario would be to expect some mild rate cuts in, in the second half of the year but again you know remember everything especially for the sub uh, is very data dependent you know also remember that as much as they like to say that they don't aren't influenced by what happens in in the developed world and the rest of the world um, there is this element of of parity you know if other interest if other major central banks are not cutting interest rates or not cutting by much uh, we can't cut by too much otherwise you have a scenario where you know money leaves the economy uh, chasing the high interest rates so that becomes a, a factor as well a factor as well definitely uh, Dwayne some would say that it is oil that makes the world go round and oil has been in the headlines uh, following the Saudi Arabia Russia deal um, I mean how is this influencing inflation I mean what are the broader implications of this type of deal yeah look I mean I'm given everything that's going on in the world I'm surprised how how low uh, the oil price is yes. I mean right now we've got uh, you know the even though it seems like everybody's forgotten about it we still have the war in, in Russia and Ukraine uh, and now we have the Israel uh, Palestine uh, you know problem and, and of course uh, Israel or Palestine is not an oil exporting nation but you know they've close proximity to to countries like Iran and, and you know the, that situation could escalate where those countries get involved you know we've also had you know the Chinese economy uh, reopening after the COVID lockdowns. So remember, uh, I'm sure you remember how oil went from I think it was you know twenty thirty dollars a barrel to whatever it was um, when the developed markets and the rest of the world opened up. But remember, China stayed locked down for quite a significant period after that. So I expected you know significant pressure on the oil price as the Chinese economy reopened and, and the Chinese started to to travel as well and you know there's two reasons I can think you know it one uh, possibly uh, markets are starting to price in a bit of a global slowdown uh, a slowdown in global growth next year which is not what we're seeing in equity markets so I'm, I'm not sure how, how how true that is um, but also remember that uh, you know price is always determined by supply and demand and uh you know supply is basically fixed and you know by opec which includes saudi arabia and, and russia i think maybe their relationship got a bit strained uh during the russian uh invasion of ukraine but i think uh they've now strengthened things so it really becomes a very difficult as important that it is as it is it's, it's a very difficult commodity to forecast Mm, not definitely definitely um, in terms of the dollar and the dollar indexed this side of the year did it maintain its strength amid uncertainty i mean what was going on in terms of the dollar was it resilient uh, this year i think more recently with the market turning more bullish uh, there's been a bit of dollar weakness so remember actually goes back to what i said earlier about where the interest rates are higher that's where that's what attracts capital and the idea that the Fed is going to cut rates next year, which is what the market expects, and uh, the idea that a recession is avoided, which means there's there's less demand for safe haven assets, 
has meant the dollar's weakened a bit. But I think if you take a step back and, and look at the last five years, I mean, the dollar's been incredibly resilient. Um, I mean, despite all the money that's been printed, you know, despite, uh, I guess, well, I guess that's the main factor, the money being printed. But um, dollar's been very strong. And, you know, that's obviously been tough for us as, as emerging market investors or as emerging market residents, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely been, been a tough one. Uh, earlier on, when you spoke about China, um, what do key economic indicators reveal about um, their economic trajectory and uh, you know the, the, the impact on, on global growth? Where is China and all of this? Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, China is slowing down and uh, it's, it's all very self-inflicted, um, the slowdown. So again, I apologize, I keep talking about COVID and I know nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, coming out of COVID, uh, the Chinese economy, they actually before closing, they reopened uh, very quickly and, and they were pumping while everybody else was still in shutdown. And uh, instead of riding that, that wave, uh, you know, what they did is they got overly strict on COVID and started shutting the economy down again. And uh, there was this, you know, paradigm shift uh, away from capitalism towards uh, communism, where instead of supporting these large businesses, these large tech businesses like uh, Alibaba and Tencent, they started, you know, clamping down, making it difficult for, for the tech billionaires. They clamped down on housing costs, healthcare costs, private education. I mean, that sector has pretty much disappeared from the Chinese economy. Uh, and as, as a result, uh, growth, is, growth has been slowing down. And, uh, you know, there isn't much stimulus coming out of China as well. And, you know, we all speculate that it's because of the debt problem that, uh, you know, they can't stimulate the economy. But look, China is a bit of a black box. So it's not inconceivable to, to think that next year they might actually stimulate the economy and but I mean, that aside, you know, if this growth trajectory continues as it is, you know, that's going to have a big impact on global growth because I, I don't know the numbers exactly, but over the last decade, you know, China has been a significant contributor to, to global growth. And, you know, if you take that away, it's actually, you know, quite a sad prospect. Yeah, the picture definitely does not look good at all uh, without them. I, I want to bring things back to the Mzansi Shores. You know, how did the JSE Oshe Index perform over the last couple of weeks? And what would you say are the key drivers in South Africa's market movements? Yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, we've had a good run now in uh, November and I think October as well. And, you know, that's really been that, that global positivity that I spoke about um, you know, feeding into emerging markets. I mean, if you look at the past year, our, our financial and industrial sectors have done quite well. Resources have done quite terribly over the period. And that kind of speaks to the commodity prices that are falling because of the, you know, the, the decline in Chinese demand. But, you know, you, you take a step back, you know, over the past three years and, and markets have really been, you know, going quite sideways. You know, there's been a lot of volatility but not a lot of action. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, I wanted to spend some time looking ahead, looking into 2024. What would you say are some opportunities and challenges that you foresee in terms of next year? 
So in terms of challenges, look, I'm of the view that even though US inflation has fallen quite sharply, to get it down within the Fed's 2% target um, is going to require interest rates to stay high for, for a period of time. And there's a lot of um, analysis that support that. And uh, I think what we're going to find is that, uh, you know, as a, as a result, interest rates are going to stay high and, and equity markets are going to, you know, most likely come down. And uh, the risk, of course, is that high interest rates uh, cause a recession. Um, so I think, you know, right now you want to be quite conservatively positioned on, uh, on the whole. So I, th I think, you know, where you've made good money, the stocks that have run hard, the tech stocks, you want to start rotating into, you know, more defensive, more non-cyclical stocks. And uh, you want to kind of balance that with um, some safe haven assets. And my, my favorite safe haven asset is uh, U.S. Treasuries. You know, not only are you getting a good yield out of them, um, but you, you know, they also perform very well when there's a sell-off in equity markets. So, but, you know, that said, uh, I think they might, we might go into the new year with some, with some positivity. You know, this, this, this positivity we've seen over October, November, I think might, might have some legs. And, you know, I think next year is also going to be the year of opportunities. There's nothing I'm particularly excited about right now um, outside of U.S. Treasuries, but I think, you know, when 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 markets get turned on their heads and, and there are sell-offs, uh, you know, that's definitely when you want to have cash um, to be able to buy things. Um, so we do hold a lot of cash in the portfolios as well. Um, you know, we we have a preference for for dollars over rands um, because, unfortunately, you know. Whenever there's a, a big event like a recession in the developed world, it, it affects emerging market currencies. But yeah, that's that's the, the general theme. I think you want to be uh, defensively positioned. You want to have that fixed income component and you and you want to have cash. Yeah, and, and let's hope that the positivity that we're currently riding, uh, you know, goes into 2024 as well. Uh, thank you so much, Dwayne, for sharing your insights uh, into activities that have been moving the markets from interest rates to the various currencies and, of course, the oil. Thank you so much for your time. All good. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.